Hello and welcome back to Changing Room 4, the Championship Rugby Podcast with Sid Fitz and Jamie. I hope you've had a good week. Sid, Charles, welcome back this weekend to round six. How's your how's your week been? How's your weekend been? Fitz, let's go with you first. Excellent, thank you. This weekend has seen me uh, return to the sporting arena and I've had my first cricket session of the year 2021. So all is good. Ooh. All is good. The sun is shining. Things are opening up. We're feeling like it's we're slowly heading back to normality. So uh, all good. Thank you for asking. It is nice to be playing cricket again. I uh, I'm also a cricketer, so I've been back in the nets a bit. And uh, likewise, I've I went and had my first pint, my first pub pint of 2021. Who's who's enjoyed that this week? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say enjoy. I'm on day two of what I can only assume is going to be a four-year-long hangover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have been... You, you been, went pretty hard, did you? Yeah, yeah, just a bit. I have been um, back to the pub this afternoon as well to see if uh, to see if I can fix it. But no, it's, it's just making everything worse. <laughs> wow, wow. So hair, yeah. hair of the dog is not working for you? No. I mean, hey, it's, it's all part of the fun, isn't it? It's all part of the novelty of coming back, and it's the fact yeah. that it's still actually pretty cold outside. <laughs> You've been off the sesh for four months, and you come back and think you can pick up where you left off, and it just just ain't happening. Yeah, no, nah, no way, mate. I just like you're so tired, and you know, I had a day of work, and then come straight from that straight out to the pub. Didn't eat nothing all day or anything like that, and then yeah, just <laughs> really hard. Yeah. <laughs> And did you did you at least manage to stay away from the limoncellos this time? You, you literally, I've not even prompted you to say that. No, I've I was I've had at least <laughs> I had at least two shots of limoncello. I didn't buy it. My uh, my mate that we said that we were going to be doing shots of something, and for whatever reason, <laughs> limoncello came up. But, oh my god, hey. that, that's a that's a throwback for the for the diehard listeners, our loyal fan base. Back to round two or something like that. <laughs> Let's get on with the actual rugby then. So, running quickly through the scores from this week. Where the first game of the week was Nottingham at home against Cornish Pirates. Nottingham still seeking that first win. Unfortunately, couldn't manage it. Couldn't manage it. It was 22-33 to the Cornish Pirates. Didn't quite get a bonus point try. Uh, try bonus point either. Um, unfortunately, just got stuck on three tries there for Nottingham. Uh, Ealing had Jersey at home and predictably ran away with it again. So 64-17 to Ealing. Bedford hosted Richmond. It was quite a solid win there for Bedford, 38-10. And then Amptill Hartbury was today. That was quite an exciting match by all accounts. A bit of a thriller there. Amptill behind from the first minute to the 79th. But then taking the win, 43 points to 41. Epic match, epic match. Uh, And then Doncaster at home to Saracens. Thought this one might be a bit tighter given Doncaster's recent form. But uh, Saracens did have all of their international life fully back. So I think they had 11 internationals in their starting lineup, um, which Doncaster couldn't really compete with. So it was 50 points to 15 there. At Castle Park. Uh, That leaves the table Ealing top with a full complement of 30 points. Doncaster still second with 21 points, but Saracens have got a game in hand and they're third on 20. Cornish Pirates also on 20, having played six. Uh, Coventry on 15. Bedford on 11. Amptill in Sixth, sorry, seventh. Amptill in seventh with 11 points as well, but with a game in hand. Hartbury also on 11 in eighth. Richmond on four, Jersey on four, and Nottingham still bringing up the rear on two points. So, Nottingham Cornish Pirates then. Just couldn't quite get it, Nottingham, this time. Still still seeking that first win. Uh, who who managed to catch some of the talking points from that game? I think it's fair to say that there has been improvement in Nottingham's performances over the last two weeks. If you look at the uh, narrow loss to Hartbury last weekend, where it was stolen from them at the death, and then this weekend, you know, 
three tries, they'll be disappointed not to have attempted to or brought home the fourth try bonus point. So in terms of the attack, which is something we've spoken about a lot, things are improving. They're you know they're getting there. There seems to be a little bit more freedom, or or things are just working out a little bit bit better for them. Obviously, still not quite there in terms of seeing out the result. But they are start. They have started scoring tries. Haven't yeah, they? lots to so. be encouraged about. You know, they they they're now, as you say, scoring tries, and that, that's a big thing for a side. If you're looking to win games, you need to score points, and that's a, a brilliant way to do it. Absolutely. And Cornish Pirates was never going to be an easy game. They're obviously doing quite well this season. Um, it sounds like they did quite well to get their twenty-two, um, but the the defense just couldn't hold out. With Cornish Pirates, who I think did take the lead fairly early on. Nottingham had an early lead at 3-0, but um, Pirates just took took it and kept it from there on in. I do sympathise for um, Nottingham, though, despite there being you know a little bit of sun starting to shine. You've got to put yourself in the... Uh shoes those players for a minute you know they've just had the announcement that their head coach is leaving who's you know been a stalwart of the club and all the rest of it and they're over halfway through the season now and they've not really got a whole lot to show for it they've got uh you know the second half of the season still to come what are they ultimately gonna get out of it is it a case of just seeing it through to the end you know maybe two or three weeks ago they could have had some optimism that they could turn things around and and really get something out of this season but I think now it's going to be a really hard task to motivate that group to keep them going for the rest of you know the rest of the season. So you've mentioned that they're halfway through their season and not got much to show for it if we take a quick look at their run-in their fixtures on the way into uh, to the end um, do you think there's any? Do you think there's any matches there that you, they're going to specifically target? So I'll run you through it. Uh, next week they've got Jersey. Mm. They'll target that. They're playing away at Jersey though, so Jersey are playing the first away. game ac- actually at home at the Stade Santander International or Internacional. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether they're speaking mate. French or international, but uh, plus Stad. Stad is French, so I don't know. Jersey fans, if you can let us know how you pronounce, uh, whether it's a combination of French and English or if it's one or the other. So would that make it uh, Santander then as well? <laughs> it could be Stade Santander International. Uh, so yeah, they've got their first game properly at home, Jersey, but you think Nottingham are going to target that, Fids? Yeah, I think, I think they'll target that. They've also got Richmond. They'll target that game. They do still have an away game at Richmond, yeah. So, you know, there's there's means for positivity. I think they'll they'll work towards those. Um, you know, I think it's interesting as well. If you if you look at the table, I know you sort of said it out earlier at the beginning, but for me, I think the league's sort of splitting now. I think, you know, Ealing have run away with it. So let, let's yeah. discount them. And then you've got a, a, a pack of teams there. So you've got Doncaster on, on 21. You've got Sarries. And Cornish Pirates there on 20. If Coventry win their game in hand, that puts them on 20. So there's all of like a little mini-league there of Sarries, Knights, Pirates, and let's include Coventry for the, for the sake of it. And then there's a sort of a mid, mid-table league between Bedford, Ampton and Hartbury all on 11. And then at the bottom there, you've got, I'd say, another league where you've got Jersey, Richmond and Nottingham sort of, you know, trying to avoid the wooden spoon, if you will. But uh, it it seems that the league sort of split that way. And I think, you know, for Nottingham, they've still got two games against those two teams around them, you know, Jersey and Richmond. I I think they'd like to to target those and get themselves off the foot of the table. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, Bedford? So they've still got Saracens at home and Doncaster away. I, I imagine they're probably not going to specifically target those. But but Bedford, is that... Is that within reach for Knots, do you think? Uh, yes. Uh, if you look at you know Bedford's results this season, they've been a bit up and down, haven't they? They have. So it's you know it's not beyond the uh, realms of possibility. You know if you look at the six games that Bedford have played, you know they've they've lost against Saracens, who you'd have probably expected. Cornish Pirates, they lost to. They've got beaten by Coventry. They then got beat by Jersey as well. It's probably not a result that many saw coming with with Jersey's current situation but that might now settle down a little bit as they are playing at home as we've just discussed um, and the two wins have been at, at home 
against Richmond and Hartbury. So it's been a bit of an up and down season, I think, from Bedford. So yeah, Nottingham could conceivably. It's a possible. It's mm. a possible. Well, Nottingham, we are we are pulling for you. We are pulling for you to get a, a win. Get a win on the board. We we want you to to do well. So good luck. And we'll come and come and celebrate that win on Europe's biggest sundial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Moving on then to the Ealing Jersey match. So again, this is becoming a feature week in week out now. Uh, predictably, Ealing scoring quite a lot of points and their opposition not scoring as many. There's not too much more to say on this. I feel it's we've said most things most weeks about Ealing and their their continuing dominance. Have you got anything more to add? One thing I will uh, not so much say. I'll more more pose the question about Ealing. Someone was asking me just about the championship the other day. Someone that wasn't um, a particularly close follower or anything like that, and they said, "So what's the deal with um, Ealing and how do they keep?" running away with it have they got you know loads of uh ex-internationals or you know loads of ex-premiership players or anything like that and i kind of kind of said to myself yeah there's obviously a lot of players that have played around and, and you know played played at decent level and stuff like that but it's not like it's not like they're superstars there it? no it's not like um you know toulon of you know a few years ago where yeah. they would just you know pick out some of the absolute top you know, ex-pros who are maybe at the end of their career or something like that. They are actually, a, a you know, just a fairly well-honed side, whether it's, you know, just smart recruitment and people that seem to work for them well, um, or, or players that they see up through their own academy system. And I know that's growing at the moment, and I know they're building, um, you know, women's sections, stuff like that. And it kind of made me step back and, and look at Elin and say... Actually, yeah, you know what they've 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 really done well. That we we kind of look at Ealing as the as the big nasty boys that go around bullying everyone, but but we need to remind ourselves they've actually done really well, and and it's all honestly, you know, so so good on them. Yeah, yeah, I, a couple of names that I do recognise from the Premiership. So Craig Hampson and Guy Thompson, both of which played at Wasps. Guy Thompson probably uh, also went and played for Leicester. So he became a starter at both Wasps and Leicester, but didn't get any higher than... Uh, the yeah, uh, and this is what I mean. There are a few players like that. And like Max Bodley, who was, who was a man match, what, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, whatever it was. You know, he was he was in the Exeter setup, um, and But, you know, he, as a centre, he was kind of constantly behind... Henry Slade or whatever else. He was else. a squad so, member. Yeah, and so he like didn't... Craig Hampson was a squad member yeah, of Wasps. Yeah, exactly. He was third choice scrum half. Yeah, so you didn't, so you didn't really get the, the recognition that they deserve. But clearly the recruitment is, is doing a good job there because they're finding these players and then they're really excelling for, for a year. Well, and, and it, there must be something about the coaches as well because mm. the coaches, coaches are doing fantastically mm. if they're getting them to score, on average, more than 50 points a game. Yeah. Um, there's there's something there must be something special about the, their systems and the way they're working within the championship because otherwise all the other championship teams would be doing that or or at least they would not be allowing them to score fifty so mm. yeah credit to them um, what what about Jersey then they uh, they got three tries against Ealing this week unfortunate not to get a fourth um, and get something from the game that that would have been nice for them. Uh, but but they clearly found a way a couple of times to, to unlock the Ealing defence. Yeah, they did. Um, I think it's quite clear that if you're going to try and take Ealing on, you need 15 players on the pitch. And you know the red card that Apakuki Maafu got for his high shot. Um, but yes, you know his sending off changed the remainder of the game. It, instead of it being you know a, a tough game, it became ridiculously tough um, which allowed Ealing to pull away 25 minutes with a man down exactly and that's when Ealing scored quite a lot of their points um, and a lot of their tries so look yeah Jersey I think will be really happy in in some regards with the way that they were able to to sort of again stay within touching distance you know they weren't too far behind throughout I know it was sort of half time was 24-5 but you know to come back with three tries of their own by all accounts were were well taken. I know Matty Williams. That was his first score for Jersey. He bust through a couple. I think he was on debut. Was he on debut as well? 
I think it, it could it might have been. Um but I just I just want to go back to Ealing very quickly. Um and we we've spoken about how they pull away and smart recruitment that Sid's just uh, alluded to. So Bill Johnston came in today for his, over the weekend for his debut on loan from uh, I want to say Ulster, but it it could yes, be Yes, yeah, it is it is Ulster. Slotted straight in, try on debut, kick seven conversion so that you know Ealing are able to attract this quality of player you know, to, to, the, to the club, um, and they're obviously performing well. But in terms of individual performances, I know Rain Smith, the captain, got a hat-trick, and Sid, you were, you were asking last yes. week if we were going to see another hat-trick, and we, we have now, so we've ticked that box. Yeah. But we, for we me... We put that question on Twitter this week as well. We said, is anybody going to join Ben Foley in the Hat-Trick Heroes Club this season? <laughs> and Rain Smith's just gone and totally shown us up. So, uh, but yeah. for me, well done, Rain. <laughs> One of the other reasons I think that Ealing seemed to pull away from teams in the second half is is uh, scrum half replacement Jordan Burns. So he doesn't start the games. He's he's had six starts off the bench, but he scored five tries. So he he obviously brings a real impetus to the Ealing attack as soon as he comes on. So and to score five tries in six substitute appearances, you've got to be doing something right. He must be pretty sharp. Must have something about him. So I think that could be another reason that Ealing pull away from teams uh, so well is that they've got a bit of class coming off the bench. Time on. Bedford then had a good week. 38-10 against Richmond. They seem to be in control all the way through and scored six tries. That's I've definitely had something come together there and Richmond have shown that they're not an easy opposition this season. They haven't already turned over Jersey. So, uh, so yeah, a... a Pretty good showing for Bedford. Attack-wise from Bedford, I think most of the stuff that they did well came through their youngster centre, Litchfield. Academy product, it's uh, had a few few games now this season, but I think really came into his own over the weekend. Uh, a lot of he was positive... man of the match. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Uh, a lot of positive carries. Uh, he certainly set up um, Pat Tapley's score. Um, nice little break around the outside and then uh, put Tapley away. So... Seems to be uh, one for the future there. Yeah, definitely one to watch. I'm enjoying uh, Bedford's uh, willingness to stick to their game plan as well. Uh, I know last week or the week before uh, I spoke about Doncaster's style of play and how they will put together a couple of phases, but they won't be afraid to you know poke it through or over the top and then work hard on that chase down. Uh, Bedford are kind of the opposite. Uh, they they tend to keep the ball in hand a lot and they're not afraid of building some phases. But what I like above all else is the fact that they've you know, they've got themselves a plan and they are sticking to it and it just goes to show that whether you know, whatever side of the argument you take in terms of, you know, how you play, whether you use the aerial game or not, um, if you if you just find yeah, find something to stick to it and really play to it and, and make sure everyone buys into that system then you can get really positive results either way. So we've seen that now with Bedford as well as Doncaster with you know the other end of the spectrum. And also I mentioned last week as well, that kind of running run rugby is uh, exactly the kind of rugby that we want to see. They do have an exciting style to watch, don't they? Mm. They've uh, got a couple of sharp operators in midfield. It's reminiscent almost of, uh, of Wasps from five or six years ago. Just that willingness to play the expansive game and get the ball to their backs and uh, and really make the most of, of open play, broken play. It's funny, so, I don't really remember that. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> and how about Richmond? That's a good question. I mean, let's not look at let's not look at the one game, but then you do look at that table and what they're third from bottom, so they're not they're not really dwelling. You know, Fiddler broke down those um, those little mini battles happening uh, all over the table. Yeah, Richmond are toward the bottom of it, as you might expect from a team that's just been promoted up. But they are yeah leading that bottom trio. They're there in ninth. They're on four points in eighth. Hartbury with eleven. I I don't I don't think they're going to be particularly disappointed in that though. To be honest. Do, do you guys, do you think they'd be upset with, with where they are? I think they'd be pretty pleased, to be honest. I, I think they'll be happy to have had the, the win under their belts. They probably anticipated it was going to be a tricky season. 
but I don't think they would have had too many mm. false hopes of, yeah. of going straight up the table in the, in the first season back. Um, but definitely, it's because there is no relegation this year, it's a, it's a free shot for them, isn't it? Um, we've spoken about that kind of thing before, but certainly to, to have an early win is a confidence boost and to try and experiment with things that may or may not work, get mm. to know the opposition yeah. this year and then next year, they'll have a bit more of an idea. So um, I imagine they'll be fairly pleased with where they are, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think they've also got some players there as well uh, that will benefit from this experience. I think they've got quite a nice balanced back row of um, Allcock, Jesse Liston and, and Miles Scott. Big I think. sexy. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he is a good player. I think they've they uh, got a bit of a gem there. And I think I like the look of Ted Landry, their, their fly half. We've spoken of Sam Olver and his, his ability. I think, you know, Ted Landry is something that Richmond can be pleased with because he gives them a little bit of impetus and some go-forward um, quality attacking ball. So I think there are reasons to be cheerful. They might not be so happy with you know some of the, those results, but actually they're playing competitive rugby and that will only put them in a, a really good position when it comes to the, this tournament next next year or next season, whenever whatever happens. I think I'd just like to see them making some of these games a little bit closer. Obviously, they got the win at Jersey, but but yeah, if they could just start making them a little bit closer, that would show the signs of improvement that they could take, then take and develop into next season. An exciting game next up then. Finishing today earlier on today was Amptil at home against Hartbury. As I said earlier, Amtil trailed all the way from the first minute through to the 79th and then nicked it at the end. It's quite an astonishing match with 84 points scored in total, 43 to 41. Um, yeah, quite something. Well done to the mob. Not, not one for defensive coaches, is it? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> There'll be plenty of uh, things to work on, but I think it just highlights how close some of these teams are in the league. I know we broke it down earlier, but... You know, not a lot separates Amptil and Harper in, in reality in the table. It's it's only nine uh, nine points within points difference that separate them. Uh, you know, they're they're pretty really? much two even teams. So, I think you'd probably expected a close game, not quite one as high scoring um, as that, but just uh, just an amazing whiff. It shows what happens when you put everything into your attack. And also, I want to say, I think Harper will be disappointed to have led for the majority. Um, you scored 41 points away from home. You've picked up the try bonus <laughs> point and you've still lost. You know, I mean, that yeah. sort of says what a, a crazy game that uh, was there this afternoon. It was never out of grasp for Amptil, though, was it? They always just kept in touch, kept in touch. It wasn't a, a streaming comeback from loads of points down. Um to, to get it but they did really well to to just keep keep up with the scoreboard they're only kind of seven points ish behind uh, any one time and they just kept up with the, the the rate of scoring for Hartbury and then just really showed real heart to to take it away from them at the end there and that's going to be huge I think in terms of where you know where they find themselves at the beginning of um you know the next training week they're going to have, you know, come out of this weekend absolutely overjoyed with a score like that, let alone how close it is, but how high, how high scoring it was and how easily it could have gone differently. And in conjunction with the fact that they'd only had one win, question mark, one win before that one in all their other games. So the fact that they've come away with that, I think that's going to be, if not a turning point, just uh, at least something that stops them from taking a negative turn. Maybe that's sort of what I've pointed toward with Nottingham there. Like, you know, that's going to be hard for them to get motivated again, but Amtil are going to come off of a win like that absolutely buzzing, I'm sure. And they're going to go into their uh, second half of the season full of energy. Absolutely. It's just a shame that the, there weren't fans there to celebrate mm. with them because Dillingham, the Dillingham Park faithful are uh, quite a noisy bunch. <laughs> so I'm sure... I'm sure they would have enjoyed that. But yeah, just just on that, I, I think it's a great point that Sid makes around 
this could be a uh, real boost for the second half of Amptil's season. They've had their their bye week. Mm, They've had yeah. that bitty part of the season over now, and they're well into it. They've got a trip down to Cornish Pirates next weekend, but tricky. Then got Jersey away at Sarries, home against Richmond, and then away at Bedford. You know they've got three very winnable fixtures there, which they'll probably look to look to do, look to get the the wins there. So. So, sorry, Charles, just to clarify, the Saracens won, and what were the other two? Um, <laughs> I, I reckon they'll beat Saracens. <laughs> you, you silly sausage, you. Um, no, the Jersey, Rich, Richmond and uh, Bedford, they'll probably look to uh, target. So it could well be a very positive end to the season. So the game of the week now that we'd identified last, uh, last episode was Doncaster at home to Saracens. Have to say, I was hoping it would be a little bit closer. I was hoping it would be a bit more of a, a classic at the top of the table. But to be fair to Doncaster, when Saracens have got their, their England captain coming back in <laughs> to slot in at 10, um, and they're fielding a, a series of 11 internationals um, in their starting 15, that's that's going to be a pretty hard ask, isn't it? I'd love to know how many international caps were there. Maybe maybe Charles can do some little ferreting away in the background and try and work out how many international caps started that match. More than Doncaster. <laughs> More than Doncaster. <laughs> there you go. It's my, uh, my squirrelling effort. So, 50 points for Saracens. It, not unexpected, I guess, given the team they fielded. What I kind of got... About the, you know, we wanted it to be a bit closer than some of the other uh, Sarri's opponents, given that Doncaster were undefeated up until this point. Um, we said about their game plan, etc., uh, etc. Et it just seemed, watching the game, every time where there was a roll of the dice, Sarri's always just came out on top. A 50-50 decision would always just end up in Sarri's favour. And the, the reason why is because it's not a 50-50 decision. The players that they've got there, you know, if you've got a ridiculous offload coming, those are the players that you want given that offload because they've they've spent a long time practicing it and they're some of the best in the world at what they do. So there was, um, I think Tompkins had uh, made pretty much a clean break and he he thought that he was going to get tackled, but in, in reality, he probably could have made it all the way to the try line and then he pulled it back to, I think it might have been Jamie George, but then he managed to distribute it as well. So the fact that you pulled back your almost certain try, that's a roll of the dice, that came off. The fact that your front row player can distribute it out wide and the try still come off, that's a roll of the dice. I think it was Maitland or Lewington that got on... Uh, Lewington, in fact, right wing. You know, he took a tackle two metres out from the try line and then swung the ball round the back of the tackler and then that went to hand as well. That's a roll of the dice. But obviously for them, it's just another day at the office, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're some of the top players in the world. Just, I just wanted to say, I think, yeah, we probably expected Saracens to win. In the end, it was quite comfortable, eight tries to two. What I will say, though, is it's, I don't think it's a great championship debut from Owen Farrell. And no, we posed, I agree, actually. We posed the question last week, or I certainly did, around Billy Vanapola and having to play well to secure Lions, places, etc. The fact that Owen Farrell did not have a great day off the tee... Is that going to raise question marks? He, I mean, he did get three conversions in the end, but not. I don't think that's a, a percentage that he'd have wanted. I think he would obviously he'd like to to take all his kicks and kick them all, but he didn't. And he has been a bit hot and cold with with England as well recently off the tee. So does that does that sort of spring into Warren Gatland's mind at all? Could do, could do. And Gregor Townsend and Steve Tandy were in attendance at Castle Park. I'm sure they had their eyes on most of the Doncaster team and the Saracens might have uh, might have just featured maybe. Get Spittle on that plane. Get Spittle on the plane. Jack, Jack Spittle. Just, just going to say, get Jack Spittle <laughs> on the plane. Another try today. Takes him to four for the season. There's a big bunch of players there on four that, that are sort of just behind Rain Smith with his eight tries now. Eight. There's, uh, there's a few of them. They're all bunching up and... Uh, yeah, we've, we we spoke well, before. It, it does it does raise quite an interesting question that you know we we discussed it 
last episode, didn't we, about you know a, a player in the championship and how they're going to be viewed against players that are playing in the Premiership or um, Pro 14 or whatever it is. Um, but also, look at Tompkins. Nick Tompkins came back to Saris and um, he was looking real sharp today, really, really sharp. And, you know, are those players that maybe stand out more in the championship, Are you can look at that both ways, are they standing out because they're in the championship or, you know, do they happen to be standing out at the moment and they just so happen to be playing in the championship at this point in time? Would they be standing out to the same extent in, you know, the premiership or whatever other league? And then it opens a whole other can of worms. <laughs> what if you do have, what if you do have someone that really, really shows up someone like Spittle as an impressive championship player. You know, is there an outside chance there? I, I don't think there is. He is a good player and I was pleased to see Doncaster get a couple of couple of tries back at the end there for their efforts because they did put in a, a fairly good performance. Um, it just happened to be outclassed by the opposition. But I, I don't think realistically that anyone who's not already international standard premiership standard is going to catch the attention of the Lions coaches it's, it's just not not realistic <laughs> let's talk about some of the bigger news of the week then that happened uh, a, a little while back now but the announcement came that the premiership was looking to ring fence itself until the 24-25 season something like that um what do we think about that? That's uh, not not particularly good news for the championship teams, is it? Uh, I'd also argue it's not good for English rugby at all. Uh, I'm I think it's ridiculous. I think the fact that this season in the Premiership you don't have relegation, uh, I just find the whole thing remarkable that we're even having this discussion. Oh, I can't believe it. I think with everything that's happened to championship clubs over the last twelve months, with funding cuts and COVID and everything. There's a lot of clubs now that have been forced to take that route of semi-professionalism and it shows, doesn't yeah. it? You know, you look at Ealing, you look at Saris, they put quite a lot of points on people and they're playing effectively semi-pro players and if that funding was still there and, and given by the RFU, then the gap wouldn't be so big. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the dangling of the carrot of promotion... Is something that everyone you know wants to work towards. You know, what's the point of having a competition where, you know, imagine imagine um, Ealing and Saris go up and they they make the Premiership uh, a fourteen league a fourteen team league, but there's no promotion from the second tier. You know, clubs like Doncaster and Pirates, what's in it for them? You know, you could you could yeah. finish top of the second division in the country, but what does that get you? What do you earn from it? Just a oh, well, well done, lads. Pat on the back. Cheers for the season. You've done well. You've won it. But where, where's the carrot? I'm not sure why they felt they need to do this. It's it seems like they are just trying to create an elite. It just totally separate themselves. And, and actually, it's, it feels a lot like special treatment for Saracens as well because they're saying they're saying, oh yeah, well we'll do 14 teams in the Premiership for the next three years or or whatever it is. But if Ealing win, if Ealing win, well, we'll 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 just get them to to buy their way in to the club, and we'll we'll take Saracens back. So, but but we're definitely going to have Saracens back. It just seems so so unfair. I'm I'm really not entirely sure what the reasoning is behind doing the ring fencing, other than money. I think I I can only imagine it's a money and elitism type situation. Isn't it also the fact that you've got the is it the CVC Sports Limited? Um, they're, okay. they're the Premiership owners. They're yeah. very keen to purchase, I think, more shares within Premiership Rugby um, to make the, and then it would just be their competition. So I think there's an element of that that it secures the future of rugby. But actually, you know, it's amazing to to think that you know we've got clubs like Amptill who are at this level. And yet, it's still very yeah. essentially a grassroots club. Still very grassroots, and it's a community yeah, yeah. club, and that's what we'll lose. We'll lose these clubs, and we'll lose these places because they won't won't be able to keep going. Because why play in a competition where there's nothing that you can win? Well, what's the point in it? I just don't understand. I think it's really stupid. And that, it, you know, yeah. if the Premiership does go to fourteen teams, what happens to the Championship? 
do you just pluck two teams from Nat One to come in off the back of not having a season this well, year? Quite. I, well, I just don't understand it. It gets me really. I get really passionate about this, and it frustrates me that nothing's done to sort of protect clubs at grassroots level yeah. and and protect the pyramid. No, nothing's been done to protect the rugby pyramid. I can see what's in it for Premiership rugby, and obviously why they're doing it. And okay, I don't agree with it, but I understand that. What I don't understand is if the RFU Council does in fact vote this ahead if they if they do say yes why why would they say yes because it is like you say jeopardizing the entirety of the the lower levels the 23 million pound which is supposedly the buying cost for the 14th team which i i think a lot of a lot of people are predicting to be alien um that's obviously (laughs) you know their why but then i'm with you in the after the four years or whatever else you know what else what what are you left with who's your who's your top of the um championship table in in four years that say they open uh promotion and relegation again what club is in a setup where they can go into the premiership where you expect every club to have a free 25 million pounds sitting about you know an, an extra 25 mil sitting about um, and if they expect all clubs to be at that standard, you know, they're kidding themselves. The only way to achieve getting more clubs to that standard is by helping them up. And you do that through the championship and uh, a gradual inclusion. If you can see, OK, this club, you know, say say Richmond in five years, they've, they've been promoted now to the championship. But say they keep going and going and going, they're on an upward curve. And you can see that they're going to get into the Premiership in 20-whatever. Perhaps two years before that, that's when you start saying to them about you need to be thinking about stadiums, you need to be thinking about costs, you need to be thinking about you know this, that, whatever kind of money's involved in it. And if they don't do that, and all they say is, OK, well, if there's a club that's got a, a financier that can afford to throw 20 mil, it's just not sustainable. And by them saying it will be a a 14-team league and they'll all share, all become, you know, full-on shareholders and all the rest of it. You know, let's remind ourselves, uh, Leeds, Leeds Tykes, Leeds Carnegie, Yorkshire Carnegie were one of the original premiership shareholders. And, you know, look how it's out for them, ultimately. Look how, you know, they're not getting the same benefit from the premiership as, as the majority of the other teams, are they? And... And look look what happened to London Welsh as well. Yeah. Like, they may not have been premiership shareholders, but they went bust and they've gone all the way back down the, down the league. Yeah. But are working their way back up because that's what you do. And, mm. you know, for me, if we go back to this ring fencing thing, you lose, you lose your exeters. You lose that story. Mm. You know, what a remarkable story that is. You know, within 10 years, they've gone from, you know, playing down in Cornwall in local leagues, then up through the national leagues, into the championship into the Prem, settling in the Prem, staying in the Prem, to now European and domestic champions. You know, you'd, you'd lose that story. You'd lose that fairy tale. And, you know, why... I just don't understand why the RFU would want to do that because Exeter Chiefs are, at the moment, such a great advert for mm. the Premiership and English rugby. You know, they still provide a lot of players to the England squad and I sort of feel they should supply a few more. Why? Why would you want to lose that? Why? I just don't understand why you'd want to take that out of something happening. You know, it could be someone else. Uh, you never know what might happen. It could be a, you know, an Amersham and Chilton. It could be an Isha. It could be a Fylde. It could be an Otley again. You know, one of these great rugby names. It could be one of them again. Mm. I just don't understand why you'd you'd want to rule that out. The whole move does just remove something, something really special from what rugby gives us and I, I just think it would be a massive massive shame if they were to if they do continue with this and as I most think most people are probably predicting take that further and make it a permanent change and I, I just think it's a real big shame and it really does take something away from from rugby as a sport in this country 
So, prediction time. We'll have a quick look back at how everybody got on with their predictions from last week. Charles and myself, we both got three out of five, but Sid has run away with it with a full house. Yes! Four out of five. Yes! Well done, Sid. You correctly predicted everyone. Charles, Richmond and Harpery let you down, and Nottingham and Harpery let me down. Um, but there we go. Well done, Sid. Go on, well, well done, Sid. Good on you, boys. Looking forward to next week, then. Let's quickly go through who we think. We've got Harpery versus Coventry. Coventry. I'm going to be fun and say Harpery. Uh, Harpery scored a lot of points. I'm going to go Harpery as well. Nice. We'll see. We'll see. Come on, Harpery. Do it for me. Uh, Cornish Pirates versus Amtill. Close game, but Pirates. Uh, yeah, I'm with Fiddler. Pirates. I want to go Amtil after their showing this week, but my head is telling me Pirates, so I'm going to go with them. Jersey at home against Nottingham. It's got to be, hasn't it? Return to home games, home ground, home win. Yeah, as much as I'd love to say Nottingham, I think this one's got to be Jersey, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with, go with Jersey as well. This being, being boring. Um, Richmond at home against Doncaster. I, I'm going to go with another away win here. Yeah, Doncaster. I'm to go with Coventry. I'm yeah. also going to go Doncaster. Yeah, Sid, free, free from free. Going to have to go Doncaster. And now the big one, the one that everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> Huge Saracens at home at the Stonks. At the Stonks. At the Stonks at the Stonex Stadium. Versus E-Link Trailfinders. How'd you pick that one? Sid. Sid first, okay. Uh, I I think Saris are going to go full pull on this one. Not that they've really been holding back last couple of games. Uh, but the gaps have been big enough for me to think that they'll still get the win over Elin. I think Elin will come out, you know, absolutely seeing red. Steam coming out there is... They're going to want this more than any game they've ever played, I reckon. But Saracens at home, formidable force. I don't think they're going to beat them. So Saracens for the win. I'm going to say Saris as well. I think it will be. I think it will be mighty close. I think Ealing will will miss Bobby Devee if his injury is more serious than first thought. I think he's been superb for them this year, and I think that might just prove too much of a loss. So, Sarri's for the win. I'm going to go with Ealing. Yeah, good oh, man. Oh, oh. something different. I'm going to change it up. I think the way they've been able to close it, like just tear away in the second half of the games, uh, is going to really stand out. And like you say, I'm going to, they're going to be really up for it. So, I'm going to go for Ealing. I want them to win because I like the story. So, Ealing. Ealing for me. Last play. Okay then, Sid, what have you got for us? Last play. So we're in the uh, middle of uh, the championship season. The premiership is obviously still ha- still happening, but taking the world by storm are all of these um, international leagues. Uh, you know, things like the US MLR, Major League Rugby in America, uh, the Japan Top League, and similar to what we mentioned earlier, actually, about the idea of you know taking these players in their uh, twilight years um, who have got legendary careers behind them. Um, there are some incredible uh, players out there that we're seeing some highlights from all over Instagram and stuff like that. Um, so this one's a dead easy little game. We shan't be too long on it. Um, I'm going to give you the name of a player and you've got to tell me which uh, US MLR or Japan top league team they play for. And I've got them ranked so I'll say to you, do you want a, do you want a one point question? Do you want a two point question or a three point question? A one, you'll probably be able to get fairly easily and you'll secure yourself that one point. But a three point question might be harder, but you might know it. And if you do know it, you win yourself three points. It's basically what I think. <laughs> what I think is an easy one, a medium one and a hard one. Your easy ones are worth one point, your medium are two and your hard ones are three. Okay. Okay, so you've got how many questions? Uh, I've got nine. I've got three in each category. So should we we just go three attempts each? So that's six in total. But then if we do need to carry on, I've got some more. 
Sound. Okay. Okay, so, uh, Jamie, you're up in the standings at the moment. Is that right? You're 3-2? It's three two up, yeah. Okay. Slim lead. Okay. All right. So um, we'll let Fiddler. Do you want to? Do you want to start, or do you want to? Do you want to chase? Uh, yeah. No. Do you know what? I'll start. I'll start. You'll start. Okay. All right. First, you, yeah. oh, all right. All right. Okay. Well, well, Jamie obviously will know where you are. But okay, if you're full of confidence, Billy Big Bananas. Misplaced confidence. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So do you want an easy, medium, or I'll hard? I'll start with a two. Do you want a? Do you want a two? Two point question. Yeah. Okay, I reckon this one's pretty easy. Kieran Reed, who does he play for? Right, I want to say. What league do you think it is? Well, it's it's Japan. He's playing in Japan. If you if you think so, all right. <laughs> and uh, I want to say he's playing at Toyota Verblitz. Haven't you done well? Kieran Reed does play for Toyota Blitz. Well done. So Fiddler, two points straight on the ball. Unbelievable. So that's that's a decent decent score to start. My problem is that I don't really know either of these two leagues. Oh well, dear! You know, then then so... then don't be playing your <laughs> your international SIDS last plays. Then maybe stick to some uh, one and two pointers. <laughs> I'm gonna have or work to. harder on your because... research, mate. No googling, mate. No googling. That's what he's doing now. Look, he's googling. I'm I'm not googling, but what I am Looks doing like is get. I'm getting the tables up so that I know what the teams I can choose whoa, from. Whoa, 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 no, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm not sure about that. I, I well, I don't think there's a there's a choice. I need to know what teams there are in order to make my decisions. Oh, okay, all right. Alright. We'll we'll give you that, but if it if it's too close at the end then I I know who's gonna get the benefit of the doubt. Right, do you want a one or a two or a three? I will go for a one. I thought he was gonna go for a three and then know it straight off the bat. Definitely Googling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're gonna go for a one. Okay, uh Bowden Barrett, the biggest name in rugby. Biggest name in world oh, rugby. Pick me, pick me. Jamie, who does he play oh, for? Oh god. Uh he, he's, he's Japan. You reckon? Yeah, I'm going to go Suntory Sun Goliath. Yeah, Google it! You are Googling this. You are 100% Googling I'm it. Not. I'm just not. He's got Alexa in the corner. Yeah, he's I'm putting not. in the images, isn't he? He's got Bowden there. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm not. They just happen to be top of the table, and he's a good player. So, And I, I do think I have seen Fine. that one before. Right. But well, that's, that's why it's, it's a one-point question. Okay. Can I have another two, please, Sid? Another two. Another two. Okay. Uh, Aussie legend, rugby 08 superstar, Matt Gitto. Oh. Where's he playing these days? So, uh, I'm going to be a real nose here and say that he used to play for Suntory Sun Goliath over in Japan, but he's mm. now currently in the US of A playing in mm. the ML- MLR. Mm. MLR. MLR. Rugby. And he, he is playing... At the LA Guiltinis. Touchdown Fiddler. <laughs> There's two points there. Oh. Well done, LA Guiltinis. Uh, alongside... Adam Ashley point. Cooper. Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt. <laughs> so I'm assuming he's not going to be another question. No, he's not another question. I did leave him out. I thought that would be too easy. Okay, so four points for Fiddler there. Right, Jamie, what are we saying? Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to have to keep up, aren't I? So I'm going to go for a two-pointer. Yeah, for a two-pointer, I actually think this is the easiest of the two-pointers, if I do say so myself. Oh, that's good. Okay. Player close to all of our hearts, Chris Robshaw. Ah, I know this one. Oh, of course he does. Fancy that. He happens to know it. I know this one. San Diego Legion. San Diego Ah, Legion. He does play for the San Diego Legion. There's two points there, so Jamie's on three. Four, three. Of course, played his one game and then uh, dislocated his shoulder. Um, is this the last question? Yeah, we'll say this is the last question f- for now. So if I go for a three and get it, get it right, I can't be caught. You, ca- you Can can't I? be caught. That's correct. Right. So let's go. Let's go ballsy. Okay. Three. You're going for the three. <laughs> okay. Former Northampton player and. Yeah. Uh, and native, well, not Native American, but you know, <laughs> from America. Uh, Samu Manoa, where's he playing these days? Oh, he was a he was a good player. He was a solid player. What happens? So I've got to name the club. Yeah. Ah, balls. <laughs> 
I will, I will, I will say for entertainment value, I think that's probably the hardest of the three as well. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. Cheers, mate. Can I, can I go for a steal for a point if he gets it wrong? Um, let's see if he gets it wrong first, and then I'll, and I'll carry on making this game up as I go along. <laughs> um, well, I reckon he's in America. Yeah. Um, and I'm just gonna say the Seattle Seawolves. You can't make it up, ladies and gentlemen. He's only going to go it, isn't he? Seattle Seawolves. No! Yes! Seven yes. points to Villa. Oh. Unbelievable. I had absolutely you no idea if he was there or not. You, mate, no, honest to God. There's no Seattle Google. Seawolves. All right. All right, Sid, hit me with a three. You want to go for, a, to to go for some, a free for pride, uh, yeah? face here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want a do you want an English player or do you want a uh, Kiwi player? I'd rather go English, I think. Okay. Uh, Freddie Burns. Where is he playing? Ooh. Can I steal? I know he's coming back. I know he's coming back. Where's he going? Yeah, he's coming he is. back. Uh, Freddie Burns. Oh, I think he's in... Stop looking at your computer. I think he's in <laughs> Japan. Or do I? <laughs> no, I'm going to go Rugby United New York. No, so wrong. Oh. There. Rugby United. Oh, I panicked. I panicked. Yeah, that was a classic. I panicked. I, I had Ben Foden down as my one pointer there. <laughs> I panicked. I just totally, totally switched. Do you play for the shuttles? Uh, Fiddler, you've got it there, yeah. So uh, Freddie Burns does play for the shocky shuttles. Um, so the, Hang on, the they're, final. Sc- they're not even in my little table that I was looking at. Are they not even top league? No. Oh, well. Oh, well. You still got it wrong, mate. Oh. You went America. You lose. Oh, man. Um, Three all. Happy days. Yeah, well done, Fids. Well done. I hope you've all learned something. So, Fidlot, seven. Jamie, three. Would you believe it? We're back to a draw. Well done, Charles. Your supreme rugby badgering has... Finally paid this off. One. Uh, I, just, I just think you need to get out of the house more, that's all. Well, during lockdown, it's fair to say I've not wasted my evening. (laughs) Okay, that brings us to the end of round six. What an episode it's been. Charles, Sid, thank you as always for your company. It's been good to see you virtually. Hopefully one day we might get to do one of these in person, but there you go. Um, (laughs) That would be weird. (laughs) Thank you to all our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, remember, you can get us, you can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at changingroom underscore four. And we've got an email address, changingroom4podcast at gmail.com. Please get in touch. Please tell us what you're liking, what you'd like to hear more of, anything, any just general comments, what you've got to say. And uh, yeah, just get involved. We're loving to see, loving seeing a few people getting involved with the conversation on Twitter. So it'd be great if we can expand that a bit more. Until next week, then, guys, have a good one, and I'll see you then. Sounds like a plan. Toodles. Latest taters. <laughs>